Welcome to Tech Bytes Tech and Leadership Talks with Two Hands. I'm Craig Young, CEO, and this week we're talking with Rachel Kelly about our digital future as a nation, uh, her leadership journey, and latest ideas in leveraging advanced tech to unlock health potentials. So, hope you enjoy it. All right, let's get started. It's 12.01. So, um, <laughs> welcome everybody. Thank you, and uh, it's great to be back with another Tech Bytes session. Um, I've lost count of how many we've done this year, but uh, great to be talking uh, today, sharing this session with Sophie and Rachel. I'm going to hand straight over to Sophie. Sophie is part of our Flint leadership team in Christchurch. And uh, so, Sophie, why don't you start the uh, session off? Awesome. Thanks so much, Craig. Um, Welcome, everybody. Really exciting to have you here today. Um, It is my pleasure to be introducing Rachel. So Rachel Kelly uh, is here with us today on Tech Bytes. Rachel will be known to many, including those who are in our Flint Waikato team, as she was the keynote speaker at the launch of our program there. Uh, Rachel is an ex-scientist and she's got a very impressive CV and she's worked in tech in California for nine years uh, but these days she's based in the Waikato. Um, So welcome Rachel, Uh, let's just dive right into it and why don't you take over, you can tell us a little bit about yourself including what you do for work at the moment and some of the other things that you've been involved with so far. Sure, well it's lovely to join you all here today. And um, it's been a while since I've seen you, Craig, so it's lovely to to see you through these type of forums. Um, But thank you for the introduction. So I've been in the tech industry for around 20 years, which uh, that was well before people really knew what the tech sector was. In fact, when I came back to New Zealand about seven years ago, when I said that I was in the tech sector, people asked, what on earth is that? (laughs) So it required quite a bit of explanation. Um, it really doesn't require much explanation anymore, which is lovely. And that just shows the, the evolution of the conversations, not only you know, during the dinner table, uh, but also in the boardroom uh, meetings. So uh, historically, I've been in the science, um, life science space, so very much in biochemistry, advanced um, forensic toxicology, things like that, and then have really traveled I suppose the breadth of science and technology when it comes to not only analyzing complex molecules or samples from the human body um, to environmental waterways etc all the way to GPU computational storage and so uh, it's been quite a journey uh, just being open to opportunities that come my way uh, namely to help me learn certain really hard areas that serve my my long-term vision so a lot of this has been about how do I educate myself the best I can through the opportunities that are presented to be able to deliver upon the the big vision the 500 year vision that that my business partner and I have and so uh, again a lot of the the stuff that I've done in the past um, you can just google me and there's usually some type of bio that shows all the different iterations and companies I've worked with Um, but for the for the sake of time and um interest i'm happy to just continue the conversation riffing here awesome thanks so much well why don't we talk specifically about the time you spent in the usa and what was that like and what types of projects were you specifically working on yeah so i stayed in new zealand after i graduated with my master's for about a year Uh, i found it was quite hard to i guess get uh challenged or be challenged with the roles that I had and uh, like you mentioned before there was an opportunity for me to move to Los Angeles 
for uh, some training. Uh, long story that's already documented in various places, but suffice to say, I was able to go over there. I was only supposed to stay there for six to nine months while I did this quite intensive training to work with scientists and labs all over the world. And while I was there, I effectively asked, look, I'm making a lot of money for you guys. <laughs> Would you be open to sponsoring my, my work visa? And then later on my green card and um, they said yes. And, and I was there for a number of years and, and took care of a, a large number of organizations in not only North America, but also Southeast Asia, Central Asia, Middle East and Africa. So through just the process of um, building great teams, working to ensure that people were trained and empowered to, to do their jobs well and feel like they were a part of a, a bigger vision and had the autonomy to, to do their work, then I was able to make sure that, you know, that the business continued to grow in the, in the regions and the, the remit that I had. And so uh, to get back to your, to your question, when I actually got to, to Los Angeles, I felt like I finally found my tribe. Uh, the company I worked with was kind of like the Google of life science. Not many people know a company called Phenomenex, but if there were, was to be a Google of life science, they would be it. And so they were incredibly progressive. They were very um, high initiative, high drive. Um, I would say they were a marketing machine just as much as they were a science and R&D company, which was quite a beautiful thing to watch how sophisticated some of their technologies were and how they were able to essentially pre-qualify conversations and always it's just really ahead of their game with respect to finding warm leads or trying to kind of um, fuel a sales engine when it came to their R&D and the products they brought to market. And so very early on, I got uh, just a real taste of what it looks like to bring together a whole bunch of incredibly smart people. They're passionate and driven and incredibly successful in their own right. You know, I, had, I was working with people from Stanford and MIT and Harvard. And so what was so remarkable about that journey is I thought when I left New Zealand, I was a pretty high achiever <laughs> type of personality. But when I got there and I was next to these just incredible work, work ethic, incredible intelligence, um, just so strategic and committed and passionate I just felt like, wow, I've got people to learn from. And um, much like any part of my life, when I find myself struggling or if I'm not the top of my game in some area, very quickly, what I'll do is I'll just surround myself with the top performers and I'll ask questions. I'll be curious. I'll kind of not befriend them. Friendships kind of happen naturally. But uh, during that first sort of two years was honing my craft and just being around these people that were just superstars. And so learning from them, growing from them was a really pivotal part in my own, um, I guess, my work ethic, my strategic mind, the way I built um, tribes and the community and, and, and leadership in that, in that particular uh, remit that I was involved with. And uh, it was really refreshing. And uh, I realized I was probably built for the US. Uh, anybody who knows me, I don't. I don't muck around, I'm usually pretty direct. <laughs> and so in Kiwiland, that's not always well received, uh, but I've just got to own who I am. And so in that respect, being in the US was really like my tribe. It honed all of that. It was really refreshing. Uh, it's probably where I belong. Uh, if, if I didn't have family and things like that, I'd probably still be over there. 
but uh, it was a really formative time in my life. Well, that, that sort of probably leads us on to the next question because it sounds like it was incredibly exciting and really challenging. Uh, but then you came back to New Zealand and you went to the Waikato. So what dragged you there? So I shouldn't say dragged. What, <laughs> what took you to the Waikato? Well, I'm originally born. I'm, I'm born and bred Hamiltonian. And um, I spent a lot of time out of Hamilton. So between all my education, I, uh, for example, went on summer interns down in Christchurch at, at Coppin Food Research is what it was called back then. Um, I did my master's thesis in, in Porirua, where I worked for ESR in their special analytical unit, um, doing forensic toxicology work. So for the most part, I've been around and I was obviously in Auckland for a short while as a, as a chemist and as a scientist chemist in the lab. But um, yeah, born and bred Hamiltonian and uh, my family is here. And when I got to the point in the US, so we'd, we'd been there for around eight and a half years and I had two young children. So a three-year-old and a six-month-old. And we decided it was time to move or leave Los Angeles. So a bizarre twist is that I interviewed with Theranos up in San Francisco. <laughs> um, oh gosh. So we were... <laughs> which is a whole different kind of conversation, yeah. but got to meet Saniwal Balwani, which, you know, there's some interesting things going on there with um, trials and, and, and such, but uh, just did not get that job, thankfully. I asked too many questions that I think uh, would have poked too many of the bears in that situation. And then we decided if we're not going to go to Silicon Valley, uh, where should we go with two young kids? And we just decided that it, at the time, my ex-husband, um, that New Zealand, coming back to New Zealand, if we weren't going to do it now, we probably were never going to do it, particularly with the kids being so young, with my parents being here and my whole family. So we just felt like that was the best decision. So uh, I got a job offer in Auckland before we even left the country. And um, when I when we arrived, we kind of had our home base in Hamilton and then we'd drive up to Auckland for the different interviews and things like that. And we got stuck in traffic and we we're trying to find daycares and housing. And I was like, this is worse than Los Angeles because at least Los Angeles, we've got like 10 to 15 lanes <laughs> and we don't have these little one, one car roads. Yeah. I'm like, oh my God, I can't yeah. deal. So we actually decided let's continue. I, I was able to secure my old job in Los Angeles, continue working for them, but remotely in New Zealand. And my ex-husband found a job in Hamilton. And so that's, that was kind of the way that that worked out. Cool. I didn't know the Theranos story. That's a great story. I mean, if people haven't haven't read about it, I mean, it's ongoing. I mean, it's in court now. So um, the yeah. story of uh, Elizabeth Holmes and Theranos is fascinating. Um, mm. look, those of us that have heard you speak previously, um, particularly in the Waikato, because you've actually done a couple of Flint sessions for us down there. Um, you talked about AI and ethics of AI and those sort of things. Are you still working in that space these days? I am, but more in actually delivering it. So I've spent a long time in various groups talking about it. You know, I've got a variety of journal articles out there, not journal articles, sorry, um, journalism articles. So in various places talking about the ethics and how we're being great leaders and being the, the ancestors we, we want to see um, and how AI can, love, AI can love people equally. But um, after a while, I just decided it was time to stop talking about it and just start doing it. And this is part of a much bigger story, but uh, at the end of the day, um, trying to be part of the solution rather than just talk about it is something that I felt was just far more important. And it's easy to talk, it's hard to do. And so part of 
the journey that I'm on is to craft a type of AI or I like to call more of an augmented intelligence that can be a, a real beautiful love story. And some of the language I use might feel quite colorful and soft and, and have a narrative to it, but um, we're trying to tell a story. So at Tailored Technologies, it's crafting um, this love story between uh, our, our augmented intelligence and the, and the users that it serves or the humans it serves. And then how do we create this dance between the two in a way that actually uh, improves people's lives everywhere and mm. equally loves everyone equally. Mm. Cool. Beautiful thought. Um, Rachel, I'm really curious to know, was there was there something with that was maybe a personal event or like a personal experience in your life um, that's really driven your interest in the relationship mm. between tech and the future of well-being? Mm. So when I was probably around 12, I think, someone really close to me um, was sexually assaulted. So at the time, I was already quite young. I was trying to grapple with what that meant. Um, it was a female and there were, there, were, there were drugs involved. And at the time, it was quite a pivotal part of my foundational attitude towards safety and security and empowerment. And uh, that was probably one of one of the key things. Uh, my grandmother also suffered from Alzheimer's and I had to watch my mom see herself be forgotten in that journey. And so I remember telling my mom, like, I will one day cure this. Like, nobody should ever have to go through this at all. And so there's kind of little pinpoints, these little threads of, of my fabric, my tapestry that were pulled on as I went. And... Um, I also was lucky enough to have a father who ran a computer company. So got to play on really old computers. My first, the first word I learned how to spell was system because you put in your floppy drive, your disk and you type S-Y-S-T-E-M in the dot in the prompt to start the dungeon <laughs> game. And so from like, if you think about the sort of almost the little the aha moments through my life, there were different elements of, of biology and neurodegeneration. There was an element of, you know, basic human rights and, and boundaries when it comes to people touching or doing things with you that, that you don't give their permission to do. And then this element of, of computers and coding. I wasn't involved with coding. My brothers were, namely my eldest brother, and I was really not interested in it. But having those conversations around how computers or technology could be used to actually solve problems was mm. kind of slowly and gently dribbled, almost like little drops in this sort of ocean of passion and, and vision um, as I grew up. And so uh, for my master's thesis, for example, and, and I've talked about it in the past, um, I developed a, a, an HPLC mass spec, uh, I guess, analytical technique that detects sedatives and hair samples so that was really powerful at the time because people were getting date raped. So for example, women, but it could equally have been men, would be roofied or a, a, you know, something would be put into a, a drink. They would drink it. A lot of these drugs were um, retrograde amnesia type drugs. And so you'd have it, you'd space out, you'd, you'd fall over, someone would assault you in any way or form. Um, you don't necessarily remember it when you wake up, even though actually at the time you were cognizant, which is actually a really scary byproduct of these retrograde amnesia type drugs is because you're, you're aware of it while it's happening, 
the 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 event is impacting your neurons like it's it's creating new memories but then you wake up and then you don't remember how you got there so there's this enormous psychological impact anyway I'm digressing but the thesis was about how do we how do we prove that that person was subjected to a type of drug that would have rendered them helpless or inebriated enough for a sexual assault to happen because the problem at the time around that date rape um, area was that they had all of the hallmarks of being assaulted sexually, but not only could they not remember, but by the time they actually went to the police, there was no way to take their blood because a lot of the time it was out of the system. So there's no proof that they'd been drugged. And so the test that I helped create at ESR ended up being used by the New Zealand police. And there was a variety of work we did with um, other, other crime labs around the world that you actually could detect and confirm that over a certain period of time, they were exposed to Zopaclone or a benzodiazepine of some sort. And that would help to give evidence towards prosecutions. And so um, to get back to your question, like there are various hallmarks of things along the way that really lit, like emblazoned me and saying that wasn't fair. Like they, there has to be justice. There has to be a mechanism to to relieve people of pain, especially if it's unnecessary. Mm. And so all along, you can see dotted, all these kind of um, ways in which I've tried to solve real human, hard, heartbreaking problems. Because if we have the tools through technology to do that, then it's actually remiss of us not to start focusing on those real hard human stuff. Because that's just not fair. I couldn't agree more. And I mean, yeah, that's absolutely awesome the way you've taken the, the influences from your experiences and the shared experiences of others to really prompt you into action. So mm. yeah, uh-huh. um, let's talk about let's talk about the future. Let's talk about the fantasy. What is your kind of like Willy Wonka version of how this tech might evolve? You know, are we talking mm. about like personalized health and healing. Um, I'm particularly interested in knowing what your thoughts are about the future of tech and well-being for women. Mm. There's research that shows there's a, a huge amount of underdiagnosis in women. So mm. is is that something that's on your radar and something that's influencing some of your work? Yeah, absolutely. So the thing I I keep saying in other forums is the problem that we're seeing in this point in time is we have all this data like we have all these wearables we have new at-home diagnostics we have all this information that could tell us interesting things about ourselves but in fact it actually makes us more confused I can map my temperature to look at my premenstrual symptoms or when my I get my my period I can map um, you know my my small molecules or my gut bacteria to see how well my probiotics are doing or whether or not I'm healing my gut. Like I have all these kind of things that could give me insight, but it feels so disparate. And while the information should give me comfort or should make me feel more powerful, it actually makes me feel lonelier. Like I'm I'm no more wise about what my body is trying to tell me than than I than I was before with data. And so, you know, I've been on such a remarkable health journey um, to heal myself from a variety of different things, um, including my, my separation from my, from my ex-husband. But there's been a, a lot of other things that are the byproduct of being a really high performer, high achiever, where you push yourself so hard 
and you stop listening to your body because I don't know about anybody else, but there was a very long time where I felt like my body was just the transport mechanism for my brain. And I'm not saying that I had a big brain. I'm just saying that like with all the strategic mind, the thinking, the, the yeah. thoughts that I had, my body functioned nothing more than just transport. Yeah. And it was because it's easy, of, it's easy to take your health for granted when you're in that situation oh, as well. Absolutely. And then and then climbing mountains, like you're you're climbing a mountain up the ladder, like whatever ladder you're trying to climb or whatever rope you're trying to climb up, whatever mountain you think is important. And you're trying to climb these mountains thinking that that's the mountain that you're supposed to climb. And you kind of look down and you say, well, I'm here, but what did, what, what am I left with? I'm left broken. I'm left more confused. I'm left, left dissatisfied. I'm busy trying to find the next mountain. And it's like, actually, can I celebrate for a little bit? Like, <laughs> so there's kind of elements of being that high, like type eight personality, a high achiever, that just you run your body into the ground. And so the last sort of two years has been a real eye-opener for me around health and technology that can help to support the body literacy journey that you go on, as well as bio-curiosity. So, so the, the Wooly Wonka journey that that my business partner and I are on is really it's a 500 year vision um, broken down into like 15 year business plan written in pencil and like a two year little experiment called Project Otto. But the 500 year vision is really about how do we, how do we become the best version of ourselves as a human, as a human species because of the relationship with inorganic intelligence and how do both of us unlock our potential because we work together. And that might seem quite woo-woo and insignificant, but the reality is, is what I've found over the last year is when you find better health, when you are in a better place, not only with the, the bacteria in your gut or the way your body is working or making sure that all the engines in your body that's supposed to do something aren't squeaky anymore, you start to think a lot clearer about like, why am I here? And why is this important? You start to be less triggered over ego. Um, you start to sort of think, how can I help rather than be me, me, me? And when you're in that place, you can start to think about bigger humanity issues and, and realign your, the, the gift of work and what you're doing to some other things that aren't just about surviving. Now that's a loaded statement right now because we're in the midst of COVID and honestly, it feels like we're surviving right now. But I'm talking about in sort of, you know, two to three to 500 years, how do we get to a better place in, with humanity when we're all thinking in a much higher vibration, much more, um, you know, cross, cross generation, um, more open to cross pollination of ideas and collaboration. How do we get there? And then how do we use inorganic intelligence in a way that helps us grow because it becomes kind of a mirror and vice versa. So my Willy Wonka is this big thing, but then breaking it down in something a little bit more tangible is how do we use augmented intelligence to take all these disparate data sets, these threads that we keep having that makes us feel more overwhelmed with data and more lonely when it comes to what it means. And let's give it meaning. Let's help us understand what it actually means for me and what I do each day to improve my health and well-being. Because the reality is, is if we can use an augmented intelligence 
together with all this data about yourself. And it could be hard data, it could be subjective data, it could be looking at your calendar, what's coming up for you. And how do we start to give context to you? So you say, hey, Sophie, I see you struggled with sleep last night and your HRV continues to decline. You've also got five strategy meetings this week. Let's take a step back. Can you reschedule two of those for the next week? If so, yes, let's do it. Can we up your ashwagandha or your glutathione to help with free radicals and your, your cognitive load? Like simple daily things that don't feel hard, but all it's trying to do is to change your trajectory by one degree, one degree north. That's all we're trying to do. Because if you're, if you're a big ship lover and you're charting a course for 30 years in the future, all you need to do is shift at one degree to get to a different place in 30 years because it's all compounding. So that's my Willy Wonka kind of trajectory. And this is what we're trying to do to help us get to that place. Awesome. I don't, I'm not sure I've got 30 years, but um, we'll see how we go. I mean, one of the interesting you never know, Craig, with all the work that Rachel's doing. Thank you. Um, just to that talk, I mean, the, the word that's been creeping around in my brain recently is legacy. You know, what, what legacy are you building and leaving for the future? Hey, um, I hate to bring it back down to earth, um, but I'm going to because I am looking at the clock. But, you know, can we come back to your journey as a leader in tech? And so, like, when I met you first, you know, you'd come back to New Zealand. You were really keen about developing um, the tech and tech skills within the Waikato. You founded Cultivate IT. You're now part of the Digital Council for ATRO as part of the Minister's, uh, the Government's Digital Council. Uh, what, so you've had, you know, you've, you've got a really influential career and you've come a long way, but, but what about um, just giving some wise words of advice to young people and young women in particular and trying to develop their careers? Mm. <laughs> I've been thinking about this question. Uh, the question I would have, or the way I would have answered this a couple of years back, and this might be hard to hear, but the way I would have answered that would be the Sheryl Sandberg, lean in, stand up, voice up, hand up, just don't be a wallflower. But what I have found, even with, with I'm, a, I'm a pretty courageous just do it kind of gal, like anybody who knows me, <laughs> I'm not a wallflower. <laughs> there, there are political implications to that. And, and it's still incredibly monocolour in these meetings. And saying things like that to a young woman to lean in, stand up, put her hand up, go for it, doesn't always work well, especially in some sectors. So, so yes, I think that's important. And yes, I think that uh, there's an element of what, what young women should do around that. But I think what is more important is, is the stand up, lean in, hand up, whatever. Is that fighting for something that you truly believe in? Because it's one thing to try to climb a mountain, like I mentioned to you before. It's one thing to try to climb a mountain and break ground or new paths in, in an area um, that seems right at the time. 
But my urge to young women out there in any minority is what do you care so much about that means you're on the right mountain, pushing the right borders, the right boundaries, putting your hand up for the right meetings, things that are worth fighting for, because you could spend an awful lot of time feeling singled out, disappointed, disillusioned, frustrated, playing someone else's game up someone else's mountain that was way worth more of your energy somewhere else. So, yeah, I, I, think, I think knowing your mountain and what's worth climbing. Um, and then the other thing is to leave the rope down. Yeah. So if you find the right mountain and you're passionate about it and you're breaking new ground and making new paths, don't close the path up for other women or minority who want to come and help you. And I say that also in only my lens, which might feel hard to, because I've grown up in the science and tech sector for so long. There aren't many women here and the women I have often come across don't help others because it's, it's hard. It's, it's blimmin' hard mm. to climb that rope and to, mm. to break new ground. And, and you get a reputation, whether it's the right one or the wrong or the one you want. But don't stop or prevent other women or minorities from following you. In fact, please help them come with you. So it's actually more of, a, of insight from the top down than it is the bottom up, because the bottom up's more about being open to opportunities on the right mountain really really valuable you know it, that type of insight is stuff that when people are just beginning their careers they often uh, they can they can wish for but you know it, they don't have the perspective yet because they don't have the experience so thank you so much Rachel um Rachel I've got just one more question for you um what's what's your dream role is it what you're doing right now is it something else is it you know an elusive fantasy is it something you've done um I'm I'm on a stepping stone to my dream role so I know how brutally hard it is to be a smart female or a smart minority that is never given a chance. And I've always strived to be the leader I wish I had growing up. So right now, my chapter is actually about earning my stripes for myself. Like I've, I've climbed so many other people's mountains. I've been the right-hand woman for so many leaders and given them my gift of strategy, initiative, smarts, just lemon, energize a bunny, go, <laughs> juice. And I've juiced myself for all these other people. And it's actually my turn to, to prove that I can be the leader that I wish I could have seen growing up. Mm. And I've got a lot to prove to myself. Like I've had lots of people, I mean, lots of people support me, don't get me wrong, but I also have a lot of doubters and I actually don't care about them. They're not my problem. My biggest critic is myself. And I actually want to solve a really big important problem because I can prove I can do it by myself without being a right-hand woman. 
if that makes sense, to, to another male. Instead, I have a business partner who's, who's a male, but we do it together, which is actually really beautiful. It's not saying that I'm going to do this by myself because that's just being a martyr. It's saying, let's do this with a companion or people that we can do it together. And so for me, where I'm going is hopefully to a place where I have outstanding success because I solve a really hard problem. And I prove to myself that all of the hurt, the heartache, the frustration, the disillusionment, the, the toxicity that I've had to deal with and put up with, that a lot of people do, is actually all worth it. And that I make my money because I solve the problem and I don't have wealthy parents. I do it myself with my business partner. And, and we go from rags to riches because I know I'm smart enough. We are smart enough. So right now I'm in the process of becoming who I want to be and, and who the dream role I want to have. But there is a point in which I don't have to worry about money anymore and the fact that I can actually give and invest in minority-owned businesses and, and individuals I believe in without needing any type of Harvey, you know, Harvard University or Ivy League you know, degree. I can see who they are. I can look at their track record, see what they've done in their life. They've shown persistence. They've shown grit. They have enough intelligence. They have an idea. And then I back them. And I'm looking forward to the day that I have enough money. And I know money doesn't create happiness, but I have enough money that I have earned with my business partner and through solving that problem to be able to give back to those people who I wish I had because, because I think it's needed. So that's, that's my dream job in the future. Awesome. awesome. Hey, look, thanks for, um, we've covered an amazing range of ground through from your, um, <coughs> you know, your start through AI, forensic toxicology. I've written that one down because that's quite a cool, cool word. But the, the, the two that have really stuck in my mind um, were, and I think the supplies, um, uh, the first one is across the board, which is knowing your mountain. And I think um, yeah. for some of us, it's took us a long time to find out what that mountain was that we wanted yeah. to be climbing and leaving the rope down. I thought that was just something great. And I, I'm just so thankful for that and so thankful for your time. You got any last comments or thoughts you want to make, Rachel, before I, I close off? Um, probably that I'm happy to leave the rope down. I don't always have a lot to give, but if someone approaches me and says I need help in a specific in a specific way um don't dance about it <laughs> like if there's something <laughs> I can do to genuinely yeah. help a person that's a good human trying to do some good things in this world please reach out um again I don't I don't like to dance around and play games but genuinely if someone wants some help in some small way whether it's just encouragement I do encourage people to, to reach out um, you can find me on instagram um, at unmasked executive i've got an airbrushed uh, alias called rachel kelly nz if you want to head over there that was all my accolades and all the fancy stuff but i don't live there anymore i'm an, an at unmasked executive and then um, you can find me on twitter at rachel kelly nz so just reach out um LinkedIn. And I'll do whatever i can to help you yeah linkedin so um, at rachel kelly nz 
Well, hey, thank you so much. I, I know that, you know, you're such a busy person. You've got a CV like an encyclopedia um, and your current roles, you're involved in so much that it's just been so thankful. And um, and and I always enjoy talking to you. So it's been great to see you. So thank you, Rachel. Thank you, Sophie. Thank you, everyone, for dialing in. We'll, we'll do our normal. This will go up on YouTube as a video, also on our website. It will be on all the podcast platforms on Spotify, iHeartRadio, Podbean, Apple, iTunes, Google. If I can find any more, I'll chuck it up. And we'll be telling all our friends to listen to this as well. So um, nā mihi nui and, and thanks very much, everybody. Thank you.